Hey everybody, welcome to a brand new episode of the Reality Breached Podcast. Hi, hi, I'm Sergio. I, I'm your host. Uh, t- 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 today, with me, I have the one and only unapologetic geek himself, Jarius Thomas. How's it going? It's going great, man. It feels good to be back. It's been a while. Uh, what, what was the last episode I was on here? I feel like I went nuts. Was it Mortal Kombat? I, I think it was. Oh, uh, the good thing is <laughs> I mentally recovered from that film. So I'm ready to move forward. Are you, are, talking you about some other stuff. For, are you ready for Suicide Squad? Because that's that's coming up soon. And I'm very excited about it. <laughs> Let's move on. We're here to talk very sp- specifically about video games. And, and I kind of floated this idea to you at this point, probably like a year ago. It's It's been quite a while uh, where yeah, we just sit and kind of talk about the evolution of video games. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, you know, new consoles launched late last year, or at least supposedly they launched. I've never seen one. And certain things changed, you know, generation over generation. And uh, I've, I've, I've always thought of it – I've always thought it would be a really good idea to dive into each generation of consoles and just talk about – what key either hardware or software or game design uh, changes happened, you know, console generation over console generation that kind of got us to where we are today? Because yeah, it's, it, yeah, like, like it's real easy to say, oh, a PlayStation 5 is just a PlayStation 4 with big, better graphics. And that's just mm-hmm. not what it is. That's not, yeah. it's, it's not it's as simple as, explanation. it really is, really is. Uh, it, it's not as simple as, oh, it's prettier. Like, sure it right. is. But there, there's a lot of nuts and bolts there. Uh, so I figured we could run through all these generations real quick uh, and, and just kind of make pit stops where we think we need to talk about how things changed. Right. Indeed. So uh, how familiar with you or how, how familiar with the different generations of video games are you? Oh, man. Um, let's see. I go all the way back to the first Nintendo. And do you know what generation of, that technically is a uh, part of? Is it prehistoric? <laughs> <laughs> it feels like it at this point. No, it is technically the third generation of video games. Uh, so I'm guessing uh, Atari and what would be the other one that preceded them? Well, let's let yeah, let's jump all the way to the first generation. Yeah, I'm definitely, I'm almost certain that I can't remember either of these generations <laughs> from before. But go ahead. <laughs> uh, the first generation was there was it, it was less about consoles and more about just getting interactive stuff on your television. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the first generation had things like the Magnavox Odyssey. The uh, Home Pong Machine, uh, the Coleco Telstar series, just a lot of really like there were things made by toy companies that were just designed to be this thing you plug into the TV and you interact with it and kids love it, you know. 
most of them did not have the ability to load games onto it. Like there were no cartridges. It was just you plug this into your TV and you play Pong. Hmm. Or you plug this into your TV and you have four different games. Or uh, in, 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 in some cases, I think the Fairchild, no, the, the Magnavox Odyssey. Magnavox was the one I was trying to think of. I, I, so I'll say this. I have some basic knowledge of <laughs> those that came before. But mm-hmm. I never, I never, like, <laughs> I cannot say I picked up the sticks and just took somebody to the limit on Pong or anything like that. <laughs> I've always wanted to own one of those old, like, Pong things, just to, just so I can say, look at this old piece of shit. Yeah, and it kind of works for you because you, you have virtually a video game uh, museum at your home, which is, That's that right. was one of the coolest things I, I remembered. Um when I finally went to Castle Lugo. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I mean, looking at those video games, man, you took me back. Like, I, I didn't want to leave, to be honest with you. But, you know, it would have been awkward if I wanted to stay. That's well. true, yeah. yeah. I, I would have kicked you out. <laughs> <laughs> but a lot of these 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 systems or these these consoles, I guess, uh, what they what you would do is instead of inserting a cartridge, you would like put a, an overlay on your TV, mm. and the overlay would change how you played the game that was on the system. Mm. Yeah, yeah, it, it was it was very rudimentary. It, they weren't very popular. They were seen as just kids' toys, uh, and for the most part, seen as a fad, which is kind of a recurring theme. Um, Video games are always just passed off as a fad. Let's go ahead and jump to the second generation. The second generation is where things start to get a bit more interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, the second gen, uh, that's where you get the Atari 2600. Ah, yes, see, I knew one. <laughs> uh, that's that's the big one. Um, that uh, was when I, I, it, it's always funny. Uh, my first job was Best Buy. I was working in the inventory uh, area, and some kind of way we got, we started talking about video games, and this dude that was older than the rest of us was like, man, I remember when the Atari dropped, I was like, holy shit. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> and it was one of those things, now I'm getting dead from my daughter, she looks at me like I'm old. But it was one of those things, I looked at him like, how fucking old are you to remember the day the Atari dropped, but apparently that was a big deal when it came out. Which is crazy. Like, that's 1977 is when the Atari VCS <laughs> slash uh, 2600 came out. Yeah, and, right. and 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 again, it was treated like a toy. It was for children. Uh, it, it had a lot of competitors like the Fairchild Channel F, uh, the Magnavox Odyssey, uh, even like the Intellivision, ColecoVision. I've heard of Intellivision, too. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. The, the the second generation spans a lot of of time because there weren't very many innovations during that time. Uh, it, it it runs from basically when cartridge video games were created and the ability to buy a console and buy additional games for it, which mm-hmm. seems like a no brainer now, but at the time it was revolutionary. You know, yeah. it, it, especially in a world that is in the middle of going through the like. The, the golden age of uh, arcades. Yeah. Late yeah. 70s, early 80s, arcades Jeez. were everything. 
to, to children and teens and young adults. So to have a, a, a way to play video games at home with a cartridge and have multiple games on one system, like that was the shit, dude. So where would so is this where we're saying that arcades kind of fall in? Um, because that was when you pitched this to me. That was one of the things I was wondering. Like, where do we get to arcades and, and how they essentially helped with revolutionizing in the video game industry? Um, arcades have. It depends on how you define an arcade. Um, uh-huh. Because they they definitely predate video games. Because you can you can you can draw a line from like old pinball machines to video games to modern gotcha. arcades and that kind of shit. Like it's all in the same department, I guess is the yeah. best way to put it. Um, but the, like the bridge from the first generation to the second generation, like that was at the height of arcades. That you know, That's where you got your Galaga's, your space invaders, your Pac-Man's, Pac-Man's, Pac-Men's, Pac-People. Like, all all of these games... Yeah, (laughs) Pac-Person. That's where... uh, And and actually, all all of those games had uh, rudimentary, shitty versions of them on the Atari 2600. Mm. Uh, If if you've never seen Pac-Man on an Atari 2600, go watch a YouTube video. It's hilariously bad. I need to see it. I Just, like looking at hilariously bad games for some yeah. reason. Uh, well, I, I know what reason it is because it's funny, uh, especially when you see how far we've come. But it's even funnier when you see teen games from like two or three years ago that are terrible as well. <laughs> it's like, why did you even get on here? <laughs> uh, and and like one of the the I guess the trademarks of this generation, the the the, the second generation is. It was the games are fucking ugly, man. They were really bad. <laughs> like they, they would sell like a like a like a Frogger or a or, or or a Superman game or or very notoriously an ET game. And yeah, I was just about to bring that up. ET e. would just be like four blocks or like six blocks stacked on each other, and. It, the, you really couldn't tell what was going on. You couldn't tell what the. the goal of the game was now there were good games like pitfall is the shit like to this day pitfall pitfall is a banger but there were so many just shit games for the atari 2600 that around uh the the early 80s 82 83 it straight up led to the crash of the entire video game like industry and definitely the dark ages right Uh, there what we were just talking about um but it's it's funny that it leads, if I'm looking at the trajectory correctly, <laughs> it leads into what would essentially become the golden age, or at least one of the golden ages of video games with the launch of the uh, NES, a.k.a. Uh, is it Famicom 1 in Japan was what it was called? It, yeah, it is the Famicom. Yeah, I like that name better. Like, I, I'm... <laughs> I'm cool with NES. <laughs> like that's that's cool. It's all it's very American. Don't don't get me wrong, but Famicom. It, ever since I heard that, I was like, yeah, I wish they would have stuck with that over here because it sounds cool. It sounds very Japanese. Yes, it does. <laughs> the Nintendo Famicom. 
I mean, somebody probably was like, what the fuck is that? You yeah, know, then you yeah. would have your hardcore Christians think it was like some kind of witchcraft or something. Then you got to explain all of that. So, yeah, you know what? Nintendo Entertainment System, they made the right decision. It's why I'm where I am and I'm not making those decisions. <laughs> and, and you're absolutely right. The next step is the third generation, and that is uh, the Nintendo Entertainment System uh, and to a much lesser extent, the Sega Master System. Uh, technically, the Sega uh, SG-1000. Mm-hmm. There were there were a whole bunch of other competitors that just did not hit on anything compared to the NES. That it was kind of like the big shit the entire generation. And this this is where I arrive. Um, like my older brother, 16 years older than me. Oh wow! He had the Nintendo. And uh, he had moved out. Like when I, my memory is he had moved out at that point, and my dad still had it. And I don't recall seeing my dad play it a lot, but I remember when I got my hands on it, first game I ever got my hands on. And this is why Nintendo is just never going anywhere. It's Super Mario Brothers. Oh shit, yeah. And a lot of people's first memories of video games are tied to their first level world 1.1-1 of super mario and you no system is ever going to come along and elicit that level of nostalgia as what they did with that first mario and uh so that and duck hunt that's the other one that like they came out with like some kind of souped up remake of duck hunt I would be all in for that. (laughs) (laughs) I would. The third generation uh, saw a huge resurgence in video games, but at the beginning of it, when Nintendo decided to, you know, dip their toe into this, they knew that they had a that they had an audience waiting for them in Japan because video games didn't really ever disappear in Japan, from what I understand. However. Stateside, they couldn't get stores to stock their little system because stores had been burned so bad by the Atari 2600. So they decided to market the system as a toy or like a like an, a more well-rounded experience and not just a video game console. And that's probably why they went with Nintendo Entertainment System rather than, like, Video Game Box or something, because they're basically trying to trick American stores into stocking their stuff. And one of their key their key things was to ship it with a robot. <laughs> wait, wait a minute. Rob the robot? Yes. Is that really? Yeah. Is it Rob the robot? Oh, He's in Super Smash Brothers, right? He's in Super Smash Brothers. That is correct. Oh, I loved Rob, man. Super Smash Brothers Melee. But I digress. Okay, so they sh- their plug was the ship robbed robot. Yeah, yeah. Because so, when they were in these meetings, they were like, we're not going to stock a fucking video game console. Those things are dead. And so then, does Game & Watch fall in here? No, Game & Watch was before all of this. Game & Watch oh, was a handheld. Gotcha, gotcha. gotcha. Uh, uh, that would be a separate episode. We could definitely do a history of handhelds. Oh, oh absolutely. Yeah. But it's just, it used to be a history of Nintendo. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
so so Nintendo tricked all these retailers into carrying the Nintendo Entertainment Entertainment System, and then very quickly after they got into stores, they stopped they they stopped packing the the robot in, and you know the rest is history. Uh, one of the unknown innovations, or one of the things that people don't realize, Nintendo in, innovated with um, the Nintendo Inter- Entertainment System, and most specifically Super Mario Brothers. Mm-hmm. That game scrolls. Like when you yes. run to the right, the yes. screen moves with you. Yep. And mind blowing. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, a bunch of different shit going on on the last on the next screen that wasn't going on on the last screen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so many early NES games, since they were adapted from like arcade stuff. You, you know, when you got to the edge of the screen, you moved to the other side and it re it loaded a new screen and you just keep playing, you know. Mm-hmm. So like that was incredibly innovative. And it's part of the reason that that game stuck with so many people because it was yeah. instantly playable. It, you understood. Here's the jump and here's the run done. You don't need any other buttons. Um, yeah, it's, it's crazy to think that that was revolutionary, but. You know, when you in the grand scheme of things, and when you provide scope to it, yeah, like that was the shit. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. you yeah. jump on a Goomba, and then you get a hundred points. And it just it just goes on and on, and then the boss battles and all of that stuff. Like, yeah, that think, talking about it right now is like bringing about um, some nostalgia for me. And those are the main two games I remember when I got older, I played like the original Metroid and the original Legend of Zelda. And, um, oh, what was another one? Super Mario three, which is probably number three on my best Mario games list. Okay. Okay. That's a good spot. Or, for it. Or maybe it might be number two. Uh, but are we going to get to number one in just a second, I'm sure. But yeah, like Super Mario 3 was fucking awesome when I played it. And it was it was one of those late generation games that you really saw a lot of the power that the NES had before the new one got rolled out. Yeah, and, 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 and it's it's funny that you put it that way because you, you see that over and over again in video game development. The beginning of yep. the console... Everything looks like shit and doesn't play really well. <laughs> yeah, but every four time. or five years in, when they finally understand the hardware and they're able to to program better for it, those those late generation games are bangers. Yeah, they are, and they come. I have a, a story about how that happens for one particular console, and we're gonna get to that about two or three de- generations. Okay. Probably. Okay. Yeah. The last thing I want to say about the, the 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 NES is those games have not aged that well. Like even even the best ones, even your Metroids, yep. even like even the Legend of Zelda, those games are a bit dirty compared yeah. to the, the the games on the, the subsequent platform, which we're going to move to, and that is the fourth generation, uh, Super Nintendo and Sega Genesis, and now to a much lesser Do what? And so now we roll up our sleeves. We really get into it. Um, yeah. But to a much lesser extent, who? The, the I was going to say the TurboGrafx-16. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the least extent. All right. <laughs> so, so this is the generation I probably remember the most fondly. Um, 
got a Super Nintendo for Christmas one year. Uh, my dad got it. And Super Mario World. And Super Mario World is my favorite Mario game out of all of them. It's because it's the best. Yeah, I, I got a Nintendo Switch. And I got that little membership where they give you like 25 Super Nintendo games and like 25 NES games or something like that. And my wife and I were playing it for hours one night, like when I first got it. And again, that goes to the power of Nintendo and how they they essentially have a stranglehold on nostalgia. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, hey, nothing. No matter how many games you play, no matter how many pretty games you play, you're gonna come back and and if you see Super uh, Mario Brothers in the store or something, you're gonna stop and play it. It's just it's just what you do. Um, yep. Then you got Super Metroid, which was brilliant. And then on the flip side, Sonic the Hedgehog, the somebody finally had an answer for Mario that wasn't Nintendo. Um, is he as iconic? That's arguable. But Sonic the no, Hedgehog. No, it's not. No, it's not. You're right. You're right. Sonic the Hedgehog was an excellent game, mainly because of how it incorporated speed in the platforming. Blast processing, man. <laughs> Exactly. You had that. The Sega Genesis was a really good system. It, it of course, it's firmly number two. But <laughs> it's so. It, here's the really cool thing about those generations. This is something that's probably going to blow people's minds, who were born like deep into the nineties or something. Back when games, example, Mortal Kombat on Super Nintendo and Mortal Kombat on Sega Genesis. Two different games. And that happened all the time. Like, uh, I remember Power Rangers the mm-hmm. movie had a game. The Power Rangers the movie game, I had both of them. It's in uh, Super NES as well as the Sega Genesis one. They were two completely different games. Yeah, in, in, in a lot of cases, they were developed by different teams. Yep. Yeah, and it, it that, that, that whole era was awesome to me. That you could get, like... Game movies that tied into games had they had awesome video games for like a long time. You had Lion King, Aladdin, mm-hmm. um, and just so many more. And then with uh, Super Nintendo, did Super Nintendo have Pitfall? I know Genesis had it. I don't. I don't know. Yeah, Pitfall on Genesis was awesome, uh, but it's it was so many games that just. From like Shinobi and all of those different uh, Streets of Rage, all of that. I have very fun memories of this generation in particular. And like, as far as exclusives and stuff was concerned, you had no shortage on either side. That's true. That's true. This is this was the real birth of the quote unquote console wars. Yep. You know, like when I was a kid, I had a Super Nintendo, right? And I, I had a cousin who had a Genesis. So when I went to his house, I played Genesis. But but I you know but I was always like oh I have my my Nintendo I don't need a Genesis like, I would have <laughs> fucking loved to have a Genesis it, like it wasn't a yeah. situation where I turned one down. So as a sport only child, I can tell you it was awesome having both of them. <laughs> and then my dad was a gamer too, so yeah, like having both of them was the shit. Uh, and and one thing the last thing I want to say about this generation is the. Like the 16-bit power of both these systems 
finally did enough to make video games look good. Like yes. those those Crazy. old sixteen bit bit games look great, and children today can pick them up and play them and mm-hmm. not feel like oh this feels super fucking old. <laughs> yep, it feels it doesn't feel old. It feels nostalgic. It, it, it feels, it feels like, like it almost feels like an artistic choice. Yep, it's like this is pixelated because that's what the developer wanted, and I'm gonna walk around with this you know Link character and start killing fuckers like <laughs> yeah. And and even today we see developers still creating 16-bit styled games because it is like it's a beautiful look to to you know to to, to work with. So it's at this point I'm gonna ask. During this time, I remember some really good games that I'm sure are near and dear to your heart. Those Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle games. Uh huh. Is there a such thing as a bad TMNT game? Because yes, I haven't played all them. all of them. Really? All so of them. So you mean the the old side scrolling beat 'em ups are bad? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, they're definitely. Yeah. So I'm not gonna play them. I'm not gonna play <laughs> play them currently <laughs> because I want to to preserve the fun memories I had of them. Now, now they are riddled with nostalgia, and I love playing them. Yeah. But cool. like that was one of the big disconnects when. Like translating a a game from the arcade the, the arcades to the home console is you build arcade games specifically to steal quarters. Yes. That's that's the only reason you make arcade games. And once you purchase the game, there is no aspect of you're not putting money into it anymore. So how do you make the game compelling? You just make it a little longer. Uh, yep. That's about it, you know, and and like when you play those modern games and you realize that you can just hit start to add another quarter, it you're you're really kind of neutering the entire experience. So I'm not sure if this is how it was on the console version, but I do remember Donkey Kong on Game Boy. Mm -hmm. Nintendo did that. You went through the first four or five levels where you just go up and you beat Donkey Kong and you... um, you rescue is that daisy because it's not peach it's supposed to be daisy yeah yeah you rescue daisy and then after that it turns into this whole different game it turns into a side-scrolling platformer Mm -hmm. with puzzle elements where you have to basically outsmart donkey kong and his kids for the rest of the game and i thought that was genius dude i fucking love donkey kong 94 and that's the game you're talking about yep it was the precursor to the Mario versus Donkey Kong games. Yep. Yeah, I uh, love that game, man. And it's it's one of those completely forgotten classics. It's completely ignored because everyone just assumes it's a port of Donkey Kong, and it's yep. not. Yeah. Uh, but moving on to mm-hmm. the fifth generation of video games, uh, this is where shit goes real sideways. Yep. <laughs> um, so Nintendo has basically locked down the entire world of video games. Uh, the the Genesis tried real hard to, to you know, dethrone them. It did not happen. The, the Super Nintendo is a wild success. They have a, a, a firm grip on uh, development. They are only allowing X number of, of releases per year. They are a Goliath. Mm-hmm. And... 
they're thinking about their next console and disc based media is all the rage. Uh, CDs were, were you were starting so to what's that? I love this story so much. I actually know about this and we're going. Oh, yes. Disc based media is 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 all the rage. And they reach out to uh, hardware partners to develop different, let's just say, technologies to possibly have a disc-based gaming system. They partner with two different companies, Philips and Sony. Mm-hmm. Philips, uh, they back out of the deal, uh, and somehow Philips kind of s- <laughs> fell backwards and ended up having the the rights to make Zelda games. And so yeah. Philips launched their own console <laughs> called the Philips CDI and made three, I think it's three, absolutely atrocious Zelda games. They were so weird. That are, yeah, they're so weird. Uh, I, I don't I don't even look them up. Like, the, the, they're extremely disheartening. <laughs> heartbreaking, uh, even. Yeah, heartbreaking. On the other side, you know, they, they have this deal with Sony. They're pretty much ready to, to, to finalize it and say, you know what? The next Nintendo is going to be a disc-based system uh, with, with Sony technology in it. And at the last minute, Nintendo said, eh, let's not do that. We can't, we <laughs> like, we, we, we can't go disc-based. We, like, we make too much money on the manufacturing side of the cartridges. Like, to get a Nintendo game made, you had to go through Nintendo to get it made. Once you start making discs and anyone can make a disc, you lose the manufacturing advantage. But you also lose the manufacturing advantage when you don't do discs because the the, the, the way discs are rep, recl, replicable, yeah, mm-hmm. they're able to be made really, really fast. Mm-hmm. So... Knowing all of this and, and and having already put all of the the research and development into creating a new console, Sony says, well, fuck you guys. Let's make our own console. <laughs> and, it is the equivalent of saying, I bet. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly <laughs> what it is. And so that's the birth of the PlayStation. It, it, it was basically the bastard child of of, of, of Nintendo. When I got older and I read this story, it blew my mind that we were that close to essentially the uh, Nintendo PlayStation. And um, that and that would have been. And the thing is, is at the time it would not have been surprising. So, my story with PlayStation. <laughs> I got introduced to this walking in Walmart, and you remember Walmart used to put the games on display. They don't really do it so much now. And my dad and I played it. We were together. Mom actually had to come pull us off of it so we can go home. So my dad was like, I got to look into this. And he knew somebody who had a PlayStation. And the guy basically said, yeah, you need to, to pick one up. Again, came around Christmas. And this is when, ladies and gentlemen, a disc with demos of other games used to come with your console. And there yep. were like, um, there were some trailers and there were a couple of games. And on the disc, Tomb Raider was one of the games. That is my earliest PlayStation memory was Tomb Raider. And the, you, 
it may look like shit now, but back <laughs> when it was out, it blew us away with how big the. I remember just remember, just thinking about how big the levels were in Tomb Raider, and that just blowing my mind. And then the level with the dinosaurs and the level with the wolves, and then you got to those weird ancient zombie creatures toward the end, and it turns into a horror game all of a sudden. Yeah. That, yeah, like, the PlayStation, it was, it, it's kind of hard to explain how how epic that was during that time. The, 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 the so, thing about the, the PlayStation, Sony was real smart to beat Nintendo to the market yep. by an entire year. Yep. Uh, because... Had they released like day and date or in the same month as the Nintendo 64, I don't know if PlayStation would have gotten the traction that it had because Nintendo was so important to gamers mm-hmm. across the world that PlayStation would have been would have been laughed out of the room because Sony kind of was laughed out of the room when they announced, hey, we're making PlayStation. They said, the fuck you're doing what? <laughs> you, you make TVs. Shut up and go away. Yep. And yeah. And, and, and like they hit the market, and th- at that point, they had not yet even figured out what the PlayStation would become. Yeah, it was just a did. place that had a more powerful 2D gaming system. You can see the care and the passion that they put into this system. Like hindsight being 2020, not knowing the, the outside elements or the backstory or anything. Thinking back on it, man, they said it went from being something that they were clearly excited about with Nintendo to it being like a revenge thing after Nintendo (laughs) said, we're not moving forward with it. And then they were pissed off and pissed off PlayStation. I mean, pissed off Saudi gives you good stuff. (laughs) Clearly, right? And like, it was so revolutionary, man, from... I run through as many games as I can real quick. From Tomb Raider to Final Fantasy VII, which again, a franchise that we mainly knew on Nintendo, made the jump over to PlayStation. And then the entry that they gave you was so good and had such a great story, which goes back to storytelling and video games. That was a big deal. Then you had the Tekken series that came over from arcades, but Tekken is to me, mainly associated with PlayStation. Am I right? Along yeah. with that? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Then you got Gran Turismo, which was uh, Sony. That was their game. Mm-hmm. And then, like, a couple years into the thing, Metal Gear Solid drops. And it opens like a freaking spy movie. Something mm-hmm. that we had never seen before. Even though on Nintendo, they had been pretty much doing a the same kind of storytelling Kojima had, but he finally had some hardware that could really convey the type of story he was trying to tell. It's probably one of the greatest stories in video games history to this day. Uh, and the hits just kept coming, man. That's true. That's true. And it was it was inexpensive to de- develop for you. Could, Sony was letting anybody make games for it. Like that, mm-hmm. there wasn't like an arbitrary rules, you know, saying, "Oh, well, you can only have two games this year because we're Nintendo." Yeah, exactly. Sony was like, "Bring your shit over here, sell it at a decent price, uh, and it's real easy to mash plastic and get these CDs out the door." 
Exactly. But on the on the flip side, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention it. The Nintendo 64 did exist. Dude, I, I, I haven't even <laughs> gone into the Nintendo 64 yet. So yeah. So, so, so like the 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 big jump from the 16-bit to 64-bit generations, like the jump is 3D graphics. Yep. We didn't really see much of that, if any, on Super Nintendo and Genesis, just because the platforms couldn't handle it. Uh, but mm-hmm. Nintendo 64 was built to render 3D po- polygons. You know, it, it launched with Mario 64, one of the most revolutionary console games ever made. Mm-hmm. So as soon as Mario 64 came out, it became very obvious, hey, we need to figure out how to fucking do this on the PlayStation. Yes. Because prior to Mario 64, 3D games weren't really prevalent on, on the PlayStation. Damn near damn near taboo. Like it was something that you were scared of until you saw them do it. Right, right. And yeah. and like keep this in mind. The PlayStation or the dual shock with the two analog sticks on the, the PlayStation controller didn't even launch until after the Nintendo 64 came out. Way later. I remember yeah. that too. And, yeah. and it's it's kind of crazy to think that there were games. We were playing 3D games with only one stick, man. We really we didn't have a stick. We were playing with the D-pad. Yeah, there were no sticks. Yeah. Yeah. So So take that in, kids. Yeah, so so the the <laughs> Nintendo 64 was revolutionary for several reasons. One of course is the 3D graphics, two is the the, the brand new control scheme for a console game. Uh, and also, it just had some fucking great games, man. It did. Like, <laughs> it, yes, they were typically skewed to, you know, a younger audience, with a few exceptions. But you have Mario 60, Mario 64, Ocarina of Time, Majora's Mask, Smash Brothers, GoldenEye, um, Perfect oh, Dark. Oh, my God. Uh, yes, Perfect Dark is another great one. Donkey Kong 64 was great. Mm-hmm. Star Fox 64, like just, I, I'm not going to say the phrase hit after hit after hit because some of those aren't hits, you know. Some of them ban- aren't. Banjo Kazooie, Banjo Tooie, like all these games kind of fit a mold, but they're all so good. Exactly, and like if you again with the hindsight thing, they had some bangers on there. A lot of them are really cult classics and I think have lasted so long based on nostalgia but the ones they got right the big ones GoldenEye, Super Mario 64, Ocarina of Time uh, and Majora's Mask was great don't get me wrong but Ocarina of Time is the one that people just think of first am I right? Actually like those three games you can probably stop there Yep. There's a whole bunch of other great ones as well, but those are the three most important games. Exactly. And those are the games that that stand out. So for every Metal Gear Solid, Resident Evil, and Tomb Raider, Nintendo, (laughs) their answer was these long-standing legacy games, Mario, uh, Zelda, and and, uh, GoldenEye. Well, GoldenEye was long-standing, but still it was a classic when it launched. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, even to this day, people are are finding ways to still play GoldenEye. (laughs) Uh, And much like the original Nintendo, uh, there's a lot of important games in this generation, but it's also hard to go back to, much Mm, for the exact same reason, uh, because... The technology wasn't quite there 
to do what needs to be done in a 3D game to make it actually compelling. Because have you tried to go back and play PlayStation 1 games any any times recently? Um, we'll have to go back to... Uh, was the black PlayStation 2 backward compatible? Yes. I remember trying to play something on there, and I just stopped. I was yeah. like, this this isn't working. It's it's, it's so bad. It's, it, they're they're yeah, so it, bad not, looking. And that was PlayStation 2. I couldn't imagine doing it. Yeah, like I I went back and played the uh, the Blaster Master that came out on PS1. I, I played it like two years ago, and fuck you're man, crazy. you're crazy. I finished it. <laughs> you, yeah, you're insane. Fuck, dude, it it was like uh, now, now the RPGs. I, I'm pretty sure the Final Fantasy VII and uh, Pan, uh, Legend of Dragon. I think that was the name of that game. That was really good too. I think those games would probably hold up because you're really just selecting an attack. But like anything where you got to move, hell no. <laughs> uh, I also played Mario 64 like last year. On the, uh, on the collection that came out uh, for uh, Switch. And, th- like, there are just certain modern updates that happened in the background that we don't realize happened. Like, that that game doesn't have direct camera control. Yeah, it has the, it has, like, the toggle camera control, like, like, with the, with the, the C buttons. Yeah, and you just change the angle. Yeah, it's like, oh, oh we're just going to... Move it over just a little bit, and that's terrible. Yeah. You know, like Jeez. there's there's just certain. It's 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 funny how something as simple as a 3D platformer, like it is at this point, it's standardized. Yeah. But it is the oh, process God. of the standardization, we didn't see it happening. It all just kind of happened in developers' minds in the background because you play older pl- platforming games, they're really hard. And they're really weird because they just don't feel right anymore. Uh, that's pretty much all I have. Yeah, that's, that's pretty much all I have for that. Uh, no, it's not. No, it's not. Let's talk about GoldenEye for a second. Okay. GoldenEye was specifically very important to multiplayer gaming. Mm-hmm. It revolutionized the basically the way you got with your friends and hung out and, you know, played games together. It was a first-person shooter that had a team deathmatch, basically, and countless hours were spent by millions of people every single weekend just playing that stupid-ass 007 game. Not only that, Nintendo had four controller points. Right. ports. Four controller controller ports. ports. Native. It was built in. Genius. Freaking genius, man. And then uh, PlayStation, they, they came out with that stupid-ass boomerang thing to <laughs> emulate that. I hated that thing. But, yeah, well. yeah the, the four controller points was awesome. Coming out of the, what was this, the fifth generation? I fucking lost count. Um, uh, yes. Generation, yes. Yes. The fifth, coming out of the fifth generation, Sony had actually taken the lead. The, yep. the PlayStation was more successful than the Nintendo 64, and Shot Sega was in a distant third with its Saturn. God, the Saturn. I'm glad we didn't talk about that. That's depressing. <laughs> it is, man. It is depressing. 
Well, it's not nearly as depressing as Sega got to kick off the next generation <sighs> with the release of the Sega Dreamcast on 99 of 99. You ready? I'm ready. This one hurts. Of all of the consoles, this one is the one that hurts me the most. All right. So a couple of episodes back, you came on. We talked about uh, everybody's favorite video game ever. If people can remember, or if you listen to it, you can go back and listen to it. I chose Soul Calibur. Mm-hmm. I have some fun memories with the Dreamcast. Another situation where my dad, again, the gamer, went into GameStop, saw this thing on display, was like, I got to have one of these. He put the money down, came home, told me about it. I thought he was nuts. I had never seen it. <laughs> he just kept telling me about it. I was like, man, what the hell are you talking about? He told this to my dad, but that's how I felt. He takes me to GameStop one day, and I play it, and then I'm I'm committed to this system. I get it. And we got Soul Calibur. We got Ready to Rumble. Like, they had some good games on there. Power Stone is, a, is another franchise that people are clamoring to come back. Saying this stuff to you, Dreamcast had a lot of weird-ass games. Yes, yes. But the, we all we were... Seaman. Yes. Oh, no. That's just nightmarish. I hated the game. Seaman, there was there was uh, House of the Dead, there was Shinbu. House of the Dead had a spinoff called um, it was Zombie Apocalypse or something like that, and it was a fighting game. It was a three D fighting game, and you fought the zombies instead of just shot them with a light gun. Yeah, it was a good console. And then I remember walking into the store one day and seeing a magazine announcing the PlayStation Two. And I immediately forgot about my Dreamcast. It's so weird how that happened. Like, everyone knew that, like, the PlayStation 2 wasn't a secret, you know? Yeah, it wasn't. But it felt like like one to me. (laughs) Like, the Dreamcast, at the time, it it felt like that that person you cheat on, or you you, (laughs) you cheat with, and then your wife comes back and it's PlayStation 2, and you're like, oh, shit. Oh, man, I got a family, man. Oh, what am I doing? <laughs> right. Exactly. Take me back, baby. <laughs> exactly. Like, man. So, when like, I... When for, I for, for, like, a six-month period there, the Dreamcast seemed like the future. Exactly. It does. It, six months. That's the, the thing we should really emphasize. There was a six-month window where the Dreamcast was unstoppable. Mm-hmm. And man, when I tell you, and, and I just want the people listening to know, this is before the internet told us everything. We had to rely on video game magazines, really. Mm-hmm. I do not remember getting a thing for my Dreamcast after the PlayStation 2 was announced. Not after it dropped. <laughs> after it was announced, I do not remember anything. Because at that point, I had beaten Soul Calibur several times over. I had unlocked all the fighters. I had finished mission mode. I did everything in there. I do not remember anything about that console beyond that point. That's funny. Uh, I, I I do love the Dreamcast. But let, let's let's talk about the Dreamcast destroyers. And, and that is the <laughs> PlayStation 2, the GameCube, and the Xbox. They got jumped by three different people, man. Yeah. It like, just wasn't right. <laughs> the, the, the PlayStation 2 came out in October of 2000, and mm-hmm. then the GameCube and the Xbox both came out in 2001 uh, in November. 
Yep. And the PlayStation 2 was it was just kind of expected to be the the the, the market leader, and it was uh, dominant. It, this this is where you get classics like the Grand Theft Auto 3, yeah. Vice City, and San Andreas. Uh, you have quality output from uh, the, the PlayStation Studios. That's where God of War comes from. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's where Sly Cooper, ch- Sly Cooper, Jack and Daxter, Ratchet and Clank. Yeah, yeah. Like, come on, man. The, the names you've already said. Metal Gear Solid Two. Mm-hmm. Even for as mad as people are at their game, blew our minds. Then they had the audacity to make Metal Gear Solid Three some years later, mm-hmm. and it blew our minds again. Uh, going back to Final Fantasy, Final Fantasy Ten. It's still one of my favorite RPGs to this day. Period. Oh. Devil May Cry. I was waiting for you to say Devil May Cry. Yes. Devil May Cry. So Devil May Cry was cool because it was fully 3D. They still had those fixed camera angles. But the way they did action, and that it was made completely by mistake. That was supposed to be Resident Evil 4 originally. Uh, yep, yep. And they just made it by mistake, and they were like, you know what? Let's let's keep playing with this, and you got a new franchise out of it. Uh, PS2 had um, Kingdom Hearts. King, jeez, I forgot about that one and two. Yep, yep. Like PlayStation has a solid, or PlayStation Two has a solid, solid library, and it's very hard to compete with. And on, on top of that. One of the things that analysts will uh, point to every single time when you're talking about the PlayStation 2 is its ability to play DVDs. Yes. Revolutionized video games. It, it, but... Well, graphically. Graphically. Well, no, 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 no. no. Like, DVDs, that's just the... uh, That's just the the chosen method of storage, right? Like, the the, the GameCube and the the Xbox technically had... DVD level storage. Yes, this is true. Uh, it, it's just the PlayStation 2 was marketed as an entertainment machine that allows you to also watch movies. Like movies. It does. And yeah. this is a precursor for other features that I'm sure we'll discuss as we get into later generation. Yeah, yeah. And I don't believe that it played that big of a uh, of a role. Like, sure, you can watch movies on this thing. But how, I, I honestly wonder how many children were, tried to convince their parents to buy them a PlayStation 2 by saying, but we can also watch movies on it, Mom. <laughs> so the guy who, who uh, my dad pre-ordered uh, – no, he didn't pre-order the PS2. So he was really good, and the, the – a common thing is my dad was just great at getting systems that you probably shouldn't have been able to get. <laughs> he made friends everywhere he went. Got cool with a guy in GameStop, and the guy told him when they were going to have some PlayStation 2s. Acted like he didn't get it, and on Christmas Day, he revealed that he did get it when he said he was. He had to not tell me that we had a PlayStation 2 for two months. It was killing him inside when he finally, <laughs> when he was finally able to open it up, he was more excited than me. But, but um, I said that to say, the PS2, as far as the DVD component, he said uh, it was like two months after we had opened the thing that we knew that we could play DVDs on. He's like, oh yeah, that's right. We were in Kmart, and they had a DVD on on uh, like play on display and. 
The Matrix was the chosen movie to kind of show off the power of DVD or whatever. And he was like, oh, yeah, we got one of those inside of the PlayStation. And I was like, what? We bought a DVD, went home and played it. That It didn't blow my mind, but it was one of those things that was kind of cool. But, yeah, it definitely wasn't a selling point. It was kind of a thing that it was them having a moment where they were like, we should we have this new technology that's out. We're already making, you know, products for it. Why don't we show the adults that this is a two in one? But it probably wasn't brought up all that much. Yeah. Yeah. Um, let's talk about the other two boxes because they uh, did not sell as well, um, but they did leave their own unique marks. Uh, the GameCube. Nintendo finally mm-hmm. decides to go with the optical media. Uh, and and they released the GameCube with these tiny little dinky discs. They were so tiny, like they're they. You talking about a collector's item? They are collector's items at this point. I've got one. I I, I have my original one. I, I it's I played the shit out of my, my GameCube. Uh, it was actually my chosen console during that generation before I got a PlayStation Two. Really? Yeah, hmm. yeah. Uh, and Smash Brothers was really what drove me to do. Like I owned Smash Brothers Melee before I could track down a GameCube. The GameCube was the last one I got of these three. Um, the we, me and uh, my brothers, my younger brother, we basically cornered my mom and begged her to buy this for us. <laughs> And you know why we wanted it so bad? There was a Godzilla game where you could play four-player death matches on. We had to have it. <laughs> was we that King of Monsters? I think, no, I don't know if it was called King of Monsters, but it was, no, it was Godzilla Melee or something like that, or Destroy All Monsters Melee. That was the name of it. And you could uh-huh. destroy whole cities. And it was, they had like different versions of Godzilla. You could unlock different versions of Mecha Godzilla. You could unlock, it was really cool. So we were into that. And then we ended up getting into Mario Party because that's when Blockbuster existed. <laughs> so yep. we rented Mario Party. And then I heard about this one game because I missed it during the Nintendo 64 era. I heard about this one game called Super Smash Brothers. And oh my God, when I bought it. Dude. We played that game for an eternity. Smash Brothers Melee is so good. Still to this day. To this day, it holds up, man. That game is fucking great. It, that's one of those games, and it kind of is in the same vein as Soul Calibur for me, where I literally learned all of the characters because it was so fun to play. And then you, when they, when you start playing with different playstyles, and you, you know, just try and experiment with different characters, it changes who you want to play with in any given situation. There was so much replay value in that game for it to be a fighting game is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. And that, and that, and I, I mean, you know, when you had your Super Mario Sunshines, you had um, Luigi's was, Mansion. Luigi's Mansion. Then you had the Zelda game, the one where he turned into the wolf, Twilight Princess. That was yeah. Dope. Uh, I preferred uh Wind Waker. Oh yeah, Wind Waker also came out, and that yeah. one, Wind Waker, I remember fans being so mad about that at first, and then well, they played it and they ended up loving it. Yeah, Wind Waker is a fantastic game. It is. It really is. It's, it's moving. The game that stands above it, all of these, to me, 
Uh, well, not Maylee. Maylee is still the GOAT. Resident Evil 4. <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> My God, man. I, and again, we've had so many Resident Evils since then. For those who weren't around when Resident Evil 4 dropped, they can't understand <laughs> the magnitude because from the camera to the perspective shift on how you manage your weapons to the badass story, man. This is the game that made Leon my favorite character in the series. And wow. it, like, the, and honestly, it was the first time Resident Evil was playable for me. So there you go. <laughs> like the, the like the bullshit camera angle tank controls shit from previous games turned me off immediately. The, they balance action and horror so well in their game. There were so many cool elements, and it really revolutionized Resident Evil. And Capcom, now that I'm thinking about it, Capcom had a hell of a run in that generation, man. Between Onimusha, uh, Devil May Cry, and, uh, and PlayStation 2 had a Street Fighter, right? I want to say they had a good Street Fighter game during that time. I could be mistaken. I think it depends on how you feel about Street Fighter 3. Uh, yep, yep. And, yep. and Street Fighter Real Alpha, because. Yeah. Yeah, I know. That's, yeah. that's touchy. <laughs> um, <laughs> and then you go over and they have Beautiful Joe, which is another very underrated game. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, this is also they, the generation that gave us Okami. Yep. Like they had, uh, Capcom had some bangers on both platforms. But yeah, the GameCube was enjoyable. I kind of, like I said, I took my time getting it, but I was pleased when I finally got it. Yeah. yeah, like what's what's crazy is like as 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 big as the the PlayStation Two was and as cool as the, the GameCube was, the most important thing to come out of this generation is arguably what was arguably pioneered by the Xbox, mm-hmm. and that is online play. Yes, uh, the Xbox, the original Xbox, shipped with a LAN adapter. Like built into the back of it, just like a PC, <laughs> uh, <laughs> which at the time it was uh, like at the time it was like, yeah, of course there was. Of, of course there's one. Why don't these other consoles have one? Like it seemed like such a fucking no brainer mm-hmm. when it shipped with the LAN port. And just two years earlier, when the Dreamcast shipped with a, a phone port in it, yep. it seemed fucking bonkers. Yep. Like there was such a small window there where we went from gaming is a thing you do at your house by yourself to there's an entire world of gaming that we we don't have access to because we can't plug our systems into the internet. Leave it to the guys in Silicon Valley to think about that. Yeah, well and and the, the origins of the Xbox mm-hmm. Like they trace all the way back to DirectX. You know, DirectX is the driver that drives a lot of graphics on PC. It always right. has been. And the original name of the Xbox was supposed to be the Direct Xbox. I did not know that. Yeah. And they they dropped the, uh, you know, the Direct, which was a good idea. Yeah, because it's, it's a name like it's a good name. It's yeah, about yeah. This. yeah, it's a fantastic name. And, and and much like when Sony came into the in, into the picture, when Microsoft came into the picture, they kind of got laughed at. It's like, oh, okay. Yep. I remember. 
okay, software company, you're going to make hardware now? Eat a dick, whatever, you know? And they had to prove themselves. And the only, like, the original Xbox is literally the the console Master Chief built. <laughs> yes. Uh, so, okay. I mean, we have a theme here. You give the history, and I kind of give the perspective of somebody who <laughs> played through. Xbox was my second console of this generation. Saved up the money to buy it. Xbox only launched with, what, a handful of games? It wasn't uh, much. Yeah, it wasn't much. By the way, we talked about games that came out on PlayStation, kept PlayStation 2 in rotation. Never forget how it felt to see Madden 2001 for the first time. Mind blowing as far as graphics. Like okay. that, that playing that uh, NFL game on that scale with like 3D graphics, crazy at the time. Anyway, so I read about Halo in a video game magazine. I was like, all right, cool. I check it out. I opened Halo and put it in my Xbox at eight o'clock. I did not get off of it until four o'clock in the morning. Holy shit. <laughs> that game. That game still holds a special place in my heart. <laughs> Seriously. And and I know I give Xbox a hard time when you and I talk and we're gonna get into that in a couple more generations. <laughs> but Halo was so good, man. Like the storm and the beach scene and then uh you had the no, this is the scene I remember the most. This is what made me get off the game for a little while because I was freaked out. The flood. Oh, the, the way they're dude. introduced. In the, the library, the flood in the library is one of the best video game levels ever. Yo, yo, yeah, um, man, Halo was a wild ride. Yeah, yeah. And and what's funny is like the first Halo was – I don't want to – I'm not going to say a spiritual successor to 007, not directly – but I would call it, it that. It filled it, it filled the void left yep, yep. by uh, by Goldeneye, like when when you jumped to the new generation, because you needed that get together and you know plug our consoles together and play a game to like game and 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 Halo was that game. Then Halo Two came out and introduced multiplayer online and completely changed console gaming. Halo, Halo 2 definitely felt like Terminator 2 in comparison to Terminator yes. 1. It yep. took everything that you loved in the first one and they put a, a a new coat of paint on it and it felt like a blockbuster movie in the second one. It, it's funny that we talk about this because Psychonauts is a game that happened and it was a good game. <laughs> but the main game I remember outside of Halo is Knights of the Old Republic. That's yep. right. KOTOR was on that. Yep. KOTOR 1 and 2 were both yep. on there. But the one that people don't really talk about a lot that I love was Jade uh, Jade Empire. I love you've, that game. Yeah, you've mentioned Jade Empire on this. Yes. On this Jade Empire. So good. Because it took KOTOR and it, it really was more action-oriented. Like you you know, actually controlled the, the uh, character and the punches and the kicks and all that stuff. And the story was so good, man. It took what they did in KOTOR and just put it in like a fantasy uh, Japanese uh, feudal Japan kind of situation. It was really good, man. I loved it. And they had the creature and monster elements and all that kind of stuff. There was a lot of Japanese lore in there. 
And uh, they had some gems. Xbox had had a lot of gems that kind of go unnoticed. I I agree. I agree. It's like it's it's hard to recommend. Hey, go buy an Xbox. But uh, most of the gems are available through backwards compatibility now. Like now, uh, mm-hmm. on uh, Xbox Series X. But let's let's move on to uh, possibly my personal favorite generation. Really. I it might be it, it uh, maybe you know it's the it's the seventh gen, uh, it's yeah. the gen that has uh, the Xbox 360, the PlayStation 3, and the Wii. <laughs> Good times, man. Uh, All right. So uh, PlayStation just kind of wrecked shop in 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 the sixth generation, and coming into the seventh, they they kind of had a. Uh, an arrogance to them that would come back to bite them in the ass. Mm-hmm. Uh, the reason I say that is because they launched the PlayStation three a year after the Xbox 360, and they launched it at like $150 more. I, I yeah. can't remember the exact price, but yeah. it was, let's kind of put their dicks on the table with this one. I don't know what they were thinking, man. It was like they, what, $600. Let me see. Yeah, it was 600 bucks for the, the PlayStation three, man. Yeah, they had a five hundred dollar one, but the memory didn't warrant it. Like you, you really did need that six hundred dollar one. Yeah, yeah, and the assumption was, well, it's a PlayStation. Yep, everyone's it was gonna very buy. Very arrogant, man. I never forget that. Like, I as a consumer, I was like, why are they being assholes? All of a sudden. <laughs> and it, it was a long time before I didn't get a PlayStation Three until they did the redesign. What's oh, wow. funny is this is the console generation where I actually bought the Xbox first. I got the 360. I played the King Kong game that launched on it. That was awesome. That and underrated. Talking about survival horror, that game was crazy. Um, mm-hmm. so 360 had Halo 3, which was cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, had a brilliant trailer. Then they had ODST on there as well. Yep. Um, yep. I think they had Reach on there. Reach, yeah, Reach was on it. That standout uh, this for is three, also where mm-hmm. Gears of War came from. That's what I was just about to say. That's the standout for 360. I'm always going to remember is Gears of War. Gears of War scared the shit out of me, man. There were so many good games on 360. Yeah, uh, yeah. and But but most importantly, the 360 was built with online gaming in mind. Uh, yes. It, it made matchmaking super easy. It made voice chat super easy. Every single Xbox 360 came with a shitty little headset. Uh, <laughs> it was shitty. Like the wireless controllers. The, Love yeah, those. like wireless controllers. It 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 had the the option to have wireless uh, Wi-Fi uh, connectivity, so you didn't have to run a LAN cable across your damn house. Like. Yeah, turning on the turning on the Xbox using a controller. Uh, underrated feature oh. that everybody just assumes was always there. That That's is, true. That is, is such true. a great re- uh, feature, man. And then, of course, it had this drawback. The Red Ring of Death was like a whole thing. And yeah. I remember the first yeah. time I saw it, I was like, man, this is some bullshit. My Xbox lasted so long before I got the Red Ring of Death. But I was working at GameStop and I uh, had the protection plan. And it ended up being a situation where I got the 
the black Xbox. That's how long it lasted. When it died, oh, wow. the black Xbox had come out, and they gave me the elite one. Oh, that's cool. And, uh, yeah, it was. Um, I just I just send mine back to to Microsoft, and they fixed it and sent it back to me. And this is the one where you could download games. This is where that started, right? Yes, it is. This yeah. is uh, where Xbox Live it. Arcade yep. uh, pop- popped up, and 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 this in this generation, it became very obvious what company was more forward thinking. Uh, yep. Sony was very set in their ways. We're going to release a, more, a much more powerful console. We're going to on it. We're going to allow you to watch Blu-ray movies because we did that last time and it was a big fucking yep. deal. So we're going to do it again. <laughs> and, and 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 they also had online play, but it was kind of just a bonus feature. It was like, okay, yeah, whatever. Yeah, you can well, play it Resistance. It no big deal. Uh, it was so much of an afterthought. They didn't even charge for it. It was just there. Like, yeah, here. Pl- no barrier to entry. Just put a game in and fucking play. And there weren't trophies. The matchmaking was shit. The voice chat was shit. Like, so many things had to be patched into the PlayStation 3 to catch up to where the Xbox 360 was at launch that Sony was had to have been embarrassed. Yeah, I believe they were. Because they Sony definitely literally came out a year later and had to play catch-up. Like, yeah. even more. Even, even Like, when it comes to features, they should have had all that shit baked in. I've always thought that if Xbox had their their games more together in this particular generation, they would have been more of a force in the next one. That was the only place where Sony caught up to them. It was the games that Sony offered, and there were franchises that started in the PS2 when they carried them over to the PS3. That's where Sony ultimately won me over, and I see a lot of people were won over in that same regard. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, beyond that, man, Xbox, you know, online or when I'm talking shit, I'm a PlayStation guy. <laughs> but I'm objective enough to know when Sony was taking L's, and they took a lot of L's that people don't talk about anymore <laughs> when it comes to <laughs> to the Xbox. But it was those damn games, man. The Xbox just didn't have the power, and you could kind of see when Halo Reach was announced, you really saw, okay, this is this is what they're going to lean on to try and catch up. Because um, at that point, I think Gears of War 1 and 2 were hits. Mm-hmm. And the, For- the Forza it- games were hits. Yeah, they were hits, but they didn't have anything like, yeah, they, they had Halo and Gears of War and Gears of War was still growing. But PlayStation at that point had Ratchet and Clank, which was a big deal. Uncharted came out of fucking mm-hmm. nowhere. Yep. And blew people away. And then God of War 3 happened. And I think God of War 3 is when they really started pulling people back to them. I'm trying to think of any other ones that were great on Xbox, but those are the franchises. Forza, uh, Mass Effect, Halo, and, and Gears of War, I think that was that was about it. Yeah, and, yeah, uh, they, they, like they had their exclusives, but not very many of them hit that hard. Uh, exactly. the, 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 like, if, if I were to sum up this entire generation, uh, specifically the Xbox 360 and PlayStation 3, in, like, two or three sentences, like, PlayStation had the better games, Xbox mm-hmm. had, was the better place to play games. Yep. Yeah, because it was weird, any, 
anything that was cross-platform, like like any any of your Call of Duties or Prince of Persia's or or or, or uh, Assassin's Creeds, you're gonna want to play those on Xbox. Version was Xbox. Yep, the best yeah. version was on Xbox, man. It, it was, was. A, it was a more pleasant experience. The online experience was better. Like I love more powerful Xbox. machine. Yeah, the 360. No, no, no. no. I, I, I always thought it was more powerful machine. So, yeah, this is where I rely on your education. But yeah, no, it no, just no. felt like, like the Xbox was the more capable machine. Technically speaking, the PlayStation 3 was more capable, but yeah. it all comes down to, you know, how developers use it. Uh, when it comes to something like a Saints Row that's released on both systems, mm-hmm. it's going to be pretty much the same graphically. Mm-hmm. Um, but you're you're really going to see the standout graphics on things like Uncharted that are you know bespoke and made specifically for that console. Okay, we're talking about like games where you really see what the console can do toward the end. God mm-hmm. of War Two on the PS2 is one of the best closing games for a generation, like a a, a particular count console I've ever played. God of War 2 felt like a celebration or an amalgamation of what the PlayStation 2 was supposed to be when they were creating it. What was the big one, the big new one, other than Uncharted, was Last of Us, and that was again towards the end. Yeah, like that one kind of played the same role as God of War 2 did to to PlayStation 2. To close it out, yep. Closed it out, yep. And so, yeah, PlayStation 3... Uh, now that you we're talking about, it, I think my favorite generation probably was PS2, GameCube, and Xbox. Um, the first Xbox, but yeah, this one was a pretty good. I could see why this would be a favorite of yours because both yeah. of those systems were stacked. Because uh, like we we kind of brushed over the whole uh, XBLA thing uh, when we talked about Xbox, but it was very mm-hmm. important to the nature of like video game business to be able to provide video games to customers without them leaving their house. Yeah, you could, man. You could buy a game and download it directly to your Xbox, directly to your PlayStation, directly to your Wii. And you, you're paying the, the, the platform holders directly. Yeah. I um, love that, man. And it's to the point where it's like, I still don't really, do the disc all that much yeah and and that's kind of where we like this this is the generation that shifted all of that like there's dlc now like you buy a game mm-hmm. you play through the game oh shit there's still four more hours of gameplay that i can play later if i throw a throw 15 dollars at ubisoft yep yep you know it, it's it really the innovation out of this this generation is kind of off the charts. This is also the same generation that saw the rise of motion controls. You yes. you alluded to the six axis. Uh, there was uh, of course the Wii, which I promised you will get there. But <laughs> if we're talking about Xbox, we cannot ignore the Kinect. Yeah, we can't. It's we can't, fucking man. stupid. It barely worked. <laughs> but but they tried. It sold like. 50 million units. Yeah, it did. It was loaded. Like, the Kinect was a phenomenon for like a year and a half. <laughs> it, it effectively extended the console generation for another three or four years. Because mm-hmm. I, I don't know if you remember this, but there was a 
like in the middle of this generation generation there was a huge economic collapse yeah <laughs> yeah the recession. you know really really inconvenient for you know an industry <laughs> that thrives on people having money so instead of releasing new consoles all of the console uh, manufacturers were like fuck this we'll punt it three years and in the meantime xbox launched the connect and playstation did the move yeah uh you know and on top of that of course you have all the, the plastic game peripherals you have your guitar heroes and your rock bands and you know Stores were full of plastic shit for your video games. And peripheral city, man. Yeah, yeah. So, like, video games at this point had never been bigger, and it was only growing from there. And the, the money was shifting so drastically during this this generation that the, we're still feeling the effects of video games being purchased on your console. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about – we'll come back to that. Let's talk about the Wii. And this is this conversation is taking way way longer than I thought it would, but I really like it, so I want to yeah, keep it going. Yeah, um, hey, thank you for having me for it, man, because I'm having a blast. Like, <laughs> it's, it's definitely some nostalgia <laughs> overload going on here. The Wii, the Wii was, I dismissed Wii initially. I did again working at Best Buy. I saw, and now that I'm thinking about, it, I saw the launch of the PlayStation 3, 360, and the Wii firsthand. Just as a uh, um, somebody that was, you know, in play with, employed with this guy, I remember Guitar Hero coming out and all of that kind of stuff. Man, the Wii I did not take seriously at all until they set up the display, like a Nintendo representative set it up, and I was like, this is some goofy looking shit with this stick in their hand and all this kind of stuff, and they got us into it. They sold the employees into it first. And that damn Wii Tennis and the Wii Sports thing, the Wii, I don't think people bought other games when they got a Wii. They just wanted Wii Sports, man. Yeah, dude. And they played never it been, repeatedly. There's never been a more killer app than never. Wii Sports. Wii Sports, Wii Sports kept or extended the shelf life of of non-gamers with a Wii way beyond how long it should have been on there. And then they dropped Just Dance on the Wii. And that further extended, you know, their sales and, and, and how much fun people had with the, the system and everything. And uh, then I know they had the Wii Yoga and all that kind of stuff. Wii Fit. Yep. That, yep. yep. That's what got people into it. But for the gamers, they had stuff for us too. Super Smash Brothers Brawl is the Wii one, right? Yep. That one, again, another banger. And it worked really well. And they had a lot of these, they had a bunch of weird games. Like there was one game where you were, were like a gun toting samurai. I can't uh, Yeah, Red that's, um, I think what's the name of it? Red, Red Steel. Dawn, Red Steel. Red Steel. Yep. It was a Ubisoft the, game. The first one was cool, the second one was awesome. Where they kind of took it to a East meets West type of aesthetic, mm-hmm. uh, but that was cool being able to use the sword there. That system, man, that system was great. And of course, um, they re they re released Twilight Princess on that one, I believe. Uh, no, actually, it launched on the same day on both consoles. Got it. Yep. Yep. And then, 
is Skyward Sword is on this one, right? Mm-hmm. Very cool game. Using uh, motion controls to me. So so quick quick bit of trivia tri- trivia trivia quick bit of trivia uh, about Twilight Princess. Mm-hmm. So on Link is left-handed. He's always been left-handed. <laughs> yeah. He he swings his sword with his left hand. Right. When they were bringing the game to Wii, most people are right-handed. Ah. So and it's presented a bit of an issue. Yeah. So so like instead of just making Link right-handed, they reversed the entire game. What? Yeah. Yeah, like all the all the maps on on the GameCube version are one way, and on the Wii version, they're flipped. That is a commitment to to a franchise that I've never seen matched before. Yeah, if that's the case, like they were like, we're not gonna. I wonder how the developers felt about that shit. They probably were on board with it. Like, you know what? Yeah. We've been making this for this long. We're going to, damn it, we're going to make it work. Yeah, yeah. It, when I heard that, I was like, what the? F-? Okay. All right. That, cool. 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 We'll play it. Fuck it. Why not? But the, the, the Wii is such a weird enigma. And it is. When it, when it comes to its release, you know, the, the, Nintendo was coming off of the GameCube, which, for all intents and purposes, was a joke. <laughs> it had great games, but it looked like a lunchbox. It had a damn handle. It it, it was obviously something for children. They yeah. they were they were they were very honest with their marketing. Mm-hmm. With the Wii, the most important thing that they did, in in addition to of course all the motion d- stuff, was the controller was familiar. Yes. Not familiar as a game controller, but familiar as a remote. Yep. Every person in every household on the entire planet could pick up a Wii remote and feel comfortable doing so. And it was it's probably the most accessible console. Yes, absolutely. Of all time. You know, no, it's no so one, easy. People who had never played video games in their life were playing the Wii because it wasn't a video game. It was just that thing that they did on their TV. The, the Wii made my mom a temporary gamer. Exactly. It, it, it was it was the most mind blowing fad, I guess is the the worst way to put it. But definitely, it definitely was a fad. That is what it was. You know, like you, you release Wii Sports, it takes over the whole fucking world, and then every single developer was like, "Let's do carnival games. Let's do this party game. Let's do this party game." Let's let, let's do a collection called there was one called Deca Sports and it was just ten yeah, sports that. games like just complete shit software but all of them were taking advantage of the the, the people who just wanted to experience motion controls. The Wii is I feel when Nintendo decided they were gonna they weren't necessarily gonna compete with the PlayStation anymore. That they just said, okay, we're going to take a step back and we're going to focus on these people because even though PlayStation or Sony serves these people, they don't target them. And 
they decided to lean into that, and it has paid off for them ever since then. Yes, yeah, yeah, that, that's a fantastic way to put it. As soon as I, the GameCube taught Nintendo a lesson, yep. they can be profitable without competing with PlayStation. Yep, exactly. They just got out of their own. They they got out of their way, and I said, "Okay, Sony, you know what? You guys won. You guys, as far as a console war, you defeated us in two generations mm-hmm. between the GameCube and the N sixty four. You won that." And we're going to focus on innovation and yeah. our classics, and it has paid off ever since then. Yeah, yeah. It, like we're going to make great games. We and and when you look at the scope of the business, like Nintendo is just a video game company. Yep. Microsoft, Sony are huge conglomerates that have their fingers and toes in all kinds of different businesses. Yep. So, like, if the PlayStation fails tomorrow, Sony's going to be fine. They will still sell you a TV. If the Xbox fails tomorrow, Microsoft will be fine. Somebody's paying for when, like, fucking Microsoft Word. Mm-hmm. Like, if the Switch fails tomorrow, Nintendo's fucked. <laughs> Y'all, that's it. You know? And so, it, and so they found a way to leverage what their properties and and their innovation to keep themselves afloat for ever and there's no end in sight and and the Wii is absolutely the beginning of that yep if you don't count if you don't count like if you don't count like the game boy but we're not gonna we're again that's not today's conversation it, it is. I would love to talk about it, though. I would love to sit and talk about handhelds yeah. because even though it's a one-sided battle, it's a lot of good stories within that. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, the, as far as, as what they did with the Wii, it, it was the best move for Nintendo. And doing that, just going strictly with innovation and, uh, and pleasing your target audience, it wasn't about graphics anymore or anything. They just said, this is what we're going to do, and this is what we're going to stick with for the rest of our days. Because like you said, if if their count, console fails, that's it. So it's a wise decision. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, you know, with the Wii in mind, like, gamers and, and even people who aren't gamers were looking forward to, what is Nintendo going to do next? You know, what's the, what's the future? Because... The, the 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 Wii is one of the most successful consoles in the history of video gaming. Yeah. yeah How do they follow yeah, it up? Yeah. And th- this is where we jump to our next generation. Mm-hmm. And they follow it up with the Wii U. This is the one Nintendo console I did not own. It's the really? only one. It's I the only I, one. I never had any interest in it. My wife, uh, she had one when we got married. I never played it. That I know. Well, I may have played it once. I'm not sure, but uh, yeah, I did. I just it was the one console I did not go out and buy out of all. The Wii U is very much the precursor to the Switch. It's a a home console that comes with a tablet to control it. The tablet has traditional video game controls on it, and it 
unceremoniously inter- like kicked off the eighth generation of of of, of consoles, uh, which included the PlayStation Four, the Xbox One, and actually the Nintendo Switch. Yeah, it, it, like they were kind of a trilogy of consoles, so to speak. Like you had the this again, this is uh, innovation Nintendo. This is when we just start doing kooky stuff, and they even extended it to the handhelds. They're just gonna start doing all kinds of shit, and it was gonna stick for whatever reason. Even though the Wii U wasn't as successful, it still had its its crazy shit going on. Like this is when they started going into the half console, half handheld kind of phase. Yeah, yeah, and like I don't like the Wii U. Like <laughs> at all, I like a lot of the games. Yeah, but I don't like the system. The, the system. I'm glad I'm done playing games for it. I'm glad that they're re-releasing all of that stuff for Switch, because mm-hmm. it was very much like a half step. You know, yeah. um, it it was a, a proof of concept for the Switch. Uh, let's talk about the PlayStation Four though. Because coming off of the seventh generation, Mm -hmm. Xbox has a shitload of momentum. They they have kind of they haven't taken the mantle quite yet. Yeah, they they, but they pretty much closed the gap. Uh, If you look at the sales numbers of the previous generation, technically the PlayStation Three won, but it's not by much. Yeah, the Xbox Three Hundred and Sixty sold eighty four million. PlayStation 3 sold 87.4 million. Yeah, way too so, close. Yeah, so it's real close. It's anybody's game. Xbox One and the PlayStation 4 come out. And the Xbox brand, Microsoft, they the fuckers who who who, who took over the, the 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 gaming division at some point during the play or the the Xbox and the Xbox 360 just shot themselves in the foot before mm-hmm. the system was even out. Yeah. So the uh, always online thing, the always online thing, they were so brash and much, much like Sony was the previous generation. So arrogant about what they were going to provide the customers that they showed their hand literally five or six years before they needed to. Yep. Yep. This is the equivalent of being paper champions. Yes. It's like you have it all together. You have enough. You have a strategy that you feel like it's going to knock out the champ. But the one thing you forgot is you still got to play the game. And yep. they played the game and they came out in the first quarter and found themselves in a 30-point deficit. Yeah. And and it was one – I think it was an E3 press conference where they announced that to play yep. on Xbox One – you will have to have an, uh, an internet connection. Yep. And Dang that's it. Like they, they, well do what? I said it didn't go well at all. It did not. And PlayStation, in the exact same E3, they were like, "No, we're good. Like you don't have to be online. Just buy your games and play them." And they were met with like a resounding applause, both. Like literally and figuratively. Yeah. P- PlayStation somehow emerged from the previous generation as like the hero of video games because of one blunder <laughs> by Microsoft. 
and then the, it was it wouldn't have been bad if Buddy didn't double down on it. And it was like, you know, maybe we're not the council console for you if you yeah. can't do it. I was like, yeah, that's not good. Uh, or or I, 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 I think and actually there's a quote, a really terrible quote from from I can't remember who at Xbox at the time. Uh, if you want to play games offline, we have a console for you. It's called the Xbox 360. Yeah, that wasn't good. And I'm just like, the fuck are you doing? Yeah, Master yeah, Chief is not it that popular. Bad, <laughs> it, it was all bad, man. And then like they had some good games, but they didn't have they didn't have those. They didn't have enough new stuff, which is one thing that I think PlayStation's done well is with every generation they've introduced a new franchise. Yeah, and yeah. that franchise took off. And and with PlayStation, what they've done is they've fostered their in-house studios. Like Sony owns a whole bunch of very successful and very popular studios. You've got Naughty Dog, Insomniac, um, Sucker Punch. Uh, um, Sony Santa Monica, uh, yeah. J- Japan Studio, like all of these, they've owned for a very long time or have had exclusive partnerships with for a very long time. And from those think video game think tanks, they've been reaping the the benefits of fostering this talent. Xbox has not. Yeah, PS4 just worked. They they unloaded it in this one from. Uncharted 4, then they had another great wrestling clay game, Horizon Zero Dawn. Uh, oh, Gorilla. Yeah, Gorilla Games. They've been yeah. around since the, the PlayStation 2. Exactly. Like they did so well, man. But then th- those last three big hits that they released um, Last of Us 2 is one of them. Actually, one game of the year. Mm-hmm. Ghost of Tsushima. A, a great swan song for the PS4. Yep. But the the uh, reemergence of God of War, with which is technically God of War four, it, it that is again one of those games that you didn't find out how powerful the system was until later on. Mm-hmm. And God of War four fits that bill. And they took a character that they themselves admitted was getting stale. And just recreated him or, or reinvigorated the franchise that kind of lost its light. And it was too much for it. It was too much for Xbox to come back on because what they probably didn't bank on was people turned against them because of some of the announcements they made. And Sony reevaluating everything they did wrong. Starting yes. with the $400 price tag for the, yeah. the PlayStation 4 when it came out. That one, I know, hit them. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And and you have to remember that the, when the PlayStation 3 launched, it launched without key features that the yeah. 360 had. And the 360 kind of rolled – like rode that wave through that entire generation. Then it was given a boost by the Kinect. And so Microsoft comes into this generation – with this artificial high thinking we can ride this into some more, you know, hardware, but the PlayStation four launched with feature parody with the the, the Xbox one. It's not like the Xbox one was bringing features to the table that PlayStation four didn't have. 
They were the same damn thing. They literally had the same guts. They're just PCs. Yep. That's it. And the experience had leveled off. So Xbox was not seen as this the best place to play games. It was just seen as the other place to play games. Yeah. And (laughs) when, when, when you show up for Call of Duty and you're getting the same experience on both platforms, you're gonna go with the Call of Duty on PlayStation 4 because that's also where you're playing your Uncharted. Yep. That that's essentially what happened. And this brings me to the second console that I didn't buy. And I didn't get the Xbox One. It was to me it was it wasn't a point. It was not a point to get it. And yeah, I know they had Gears of War four or five. Um but I was just like I'm good. <laughs> like the PlayStation, <laughs> the PlayStation 4 was so good, and that the luster of having a a better version of a game on the Xbox that was gone, and like the PS4 just it just ran off on them, man, and it sold so well. Yeah, like the the Xbox One is was a calamity there for a little while because if you if you think about it. The two biggest franchises they had on 360 were Halo and Gears of War. Yep. Uh, who who who's responsible for Halo? Who who? Three four three. Now. No no before that. Bungie. Bungie. Yeah. Yeah. Bungie left Microsoft. So and they started Destiny. Yeah, and they did Destiny, which is a cross platform. Yeah. Like Microsoft is starting the Xbox One with. 343, which who had made Halo 4, people didn't hate it, but they didn't love it. Yeah. And they didn't have the the Bungie name attached to it. And then on top of that, Gears, that was made by Epic, is now being made by The Coalition, which is also a Microsoft studio that is not the original team. So you have these these substitute or b teams coming in to make your flagship franchises and the games are fine mm-hmm. but they're not innovative in any way they're not system sellers no one really gives a shit about halo 5 as good as gears of war i'm sorry gears 5 was nobody was lining up to play that you know the rest the rest of your your uh first party studios like rare like rare pops up every like six years and shits out some weird game no one wants to play and then disappears again. What what they do? Sea of Thieves? Like the Sea of Thieves is just now becoming a game that people actually want to play. And yep. it's been out for like four years. The thing about this is they thought they thought they could rest on on the power and the online services that they offered. Yeah. And that generation, they completely forgot about the games. <laughs> like, yes. yes, they completely yeah. forgot about the games. And it, 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 man, it punched them in the mouth. Because on the flip side, the P, it's like Tony said, okay, with the PS3, the games is what brought these people in. On the PS, um, on the PS4, Let's lean into that because it happened with the PS2 as well. We had so many different games that we offered. Let's lean into this, and and the PS4 is is the culmination of all of that. That's yeah. Sony really really got into the games with the PS4, and the one I didn't even mention 
was one that we both love very much. And that's Spider-Man. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Spider-Man was so good, man. Spider-Man's a system seller. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Like, like, and yeah, a generation later, they definitely proved it. <laughs> because, <laughs> because they said, hey, we got another one for you on this shiny new console. And it's the black one. <laughs> <laughs> well, so yeah. Let's uh let's let's take a step back for a moment and stop talking about the, the like the consoles themselves uh or the companies behind them. Let's talk about the games. Mm-hmm. Uh because somewhere between the 360 and the Xbox <coughs> One or the, or the PS3 and the PS4, somewhere between there how games were played and how games were made fundamentally sw- like sw- switched. And we name-dropped Bungie, Bungie and Destiny earlier. And one thing that Destiny is is a game as a service. Mm-hmm. It's 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 a game that there's only so much content. There's only so many maps. There's only so much loot. But the developers find ways to repopulate those maps and those worlds and that those items in ways that players just – play them over and over and over and over and over and over and we we're seeing this in games across the board like borderlands is another one people just play over and over and over M- minecraft is its own economy uh fortnite fortnite um roblox yeah all these games that just are that grand theft auto online like they just generate money by existing. Yes. Grand Theft Auto Online is a a great example of that. Yeah. Because Grand Theft Auto 5 is available on three different generations. Yeah. And not 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 just available on three generations, like being played. Being played and has a marketplace. Like yes. an active marketplace of content on three different generations, which is a fucking mindfuck, man. Like, I, 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 same thing with Minecraft. Do you know how many systems Minecraft is on? A thousand. <laughs> it's it's on. It's on mobile and everything. 360, PlayStation 3, PlayStation 4, Xbox One, PC, mobile, Switch. Like, it was it was on 3DS. Yeah, that's crazy. And that's crazy. Like at some point, developers weren't like, "Let me make a game, put that game out, move on, make another game." You, you know, you, you got Jack and Daxter, then Jack Two, then Jack Three. If Jack was made now, it would be Jack and Daxter, and then here's an endless amount of just dumb bullshit to charge you four dollars for. Yep. Yep. That's and exactly what it is, and then you have seasons. Killer Instinct. Did. Yeah. Killer Instinct did this. It came out and they slowly rolled out different features and things and different uh, updates and, and all of that. And I I, I kind of like the games as a service. I'm more of a, a single player kind of guy. Like, give me a good story. Give me some good gameplay and I'm good. But I get the appeal of games as a service. NBA 2K has jumped into this. Madden has jumped into it. EA really has jumped into it for better or worse because they got into some hot water, especially over Star Wars Battlefront. Yep. Yep. Uh, but 
now I'm seeing Call of Duty Warzone is a big deal now. Call of Duty Warzone is a huge deal. Call, yeah. Call of Duty on or Call is it Call of Duty Online or no Call of Duty Mobile? One of those two yeah. is fucking huge. Yeah, and I honestly believe you're gonna get like they still want to release new Call Call of Duties, but I think. I think they're going to really lean into Warzone a lot and kind of take their foot off the pedal when it comes to those main games. It may not be within the next couple of years or so, but I can see them doing that because they're making a ton of money on Warzone. Yep. And yeah, it, yeah it, it's it's just it's a different way of doing things. Not to mention independent games are a bigger deal now. Independent games are Honestly, that's where the creativity lives. Yes, uh, it, 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 it's 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 like it's it's weird that the video game industry is kind of mirroring the Holly, like Hollywood. You know, you have your big budget movies just that, about to say that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that aren't that creative or or you know aren't that risky. But then you have your your smaller budget, smaller teams mm-hmm. making these really oddball fucking video games and because the the development platforms are so similar to that of the pc developers are able to easily port them from one system to another with with you know with relative ease so you can release something on playstation xbox steam the epic store and switch and only be a four-person team and just last year and i've talked to you about this hades was awesome Hades was a very good game, and it's a roguelite, and I know how we feel about those, but that was the first roguelike where I was like, I was really invested in what they had, like the story that they they put with the game, and it made sense in the context of why it was the way it was, mm-hmm. and, and those those smaller games like that, man, that you, you're paying a fraction of the price of the AAA games for, it's changed the landscape as well. So you got games as a service on one end. Then you got the indie games really having a golden era right now. Oh, absolutely. Um, and, and, and then you have games that kind of straddle that line, and that's like like Rocket League. Exactly. Exactly. Rocket League was you an just pick up and play live game. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it's it's a very it's a very strange territory that we're in. Um, but it's also really good. Like. I'm going to tell you one thing, and this kind of gets into our next and last generation. The Xbox Game Pass is amazing. Oh, shit. Oh, shit. We're, we're definitely going to talk about Xbox Game Pass. There's a few other things I want to hit before we jump there, because mm-hmm. talk speak of the future. Um, let's talk about, like, game genres. Uh-huh. You, you mentioned roguelikes. Mm-hmm. I don't I, again another thing that happened in the past few generations that I don't really understand. Games stopped being fun at some point. Yeah. Or not, not necessarily stopped being fun, but developers are opting out of making their game fun and leaning on it just being impossible. Yeah. Because they and... know a small portion of those people will be good enough to prove that it can be done. And that will cause more people to buy their game and get good at the game. So, so I, I guess to put this in context, so video games in on the NES and SNES were real fucking hard. 
Yeah, they were. <laughs> because they had to last a long time. You know, you mm-hmm. you bought you you bought you spent seventy bucks, and you had to play that. There wasn't much content, so they had to make it really hard so it would last a long time. Games over the years got easier and longer, and now it's kind of reverting the other way to where they're really long and really hard. But you have the internet teaching you how to play them, the internet giving you tips, the internet doing walkthroughs and and shit. And now games are getting extremely hard again. But I don't think it's as genuine as it was. It's not. It's it's a difference when you're making a game hard just as a badge of honor than, than when it's difficult and fair. I can deal with difficult and fair. Ninja Gaiden for Xbox was difficult and fair. But if you're going to make me twice as slow as my opponent and put all these game mechanics in there, that's not fun, man. It's it's just not. Um, and I, I think this kind of gets us to the Soul series. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, like, some of those things just hard for the sake of being an asshole, right? As a, as a developer, like this, this shouldn't be this hard. Now, it, like I want to have fun with what I'm doing, and I've heard that that's an issue with uh, the game Returnal. That it's fun, but then after a while, it's so brutal that you're like, now nah, I just want to get through the end of it. Um, and, and that's what I again, it comes in in being fair and being. You know, you, you can be difficult to be fair. That's fine. It was a game uh, on PlayStation called Fury. It was difficult, but it was very fair. Uh, but when you have games that, that purposely kind of disable you and your abilities as a player or soup up another, uh, your opponents to, like, ridiculous levels, that's not cool. Um, I'm seeing now where developers are saying, hey, we have a mode on here now. Well, if you just want to enjoy the story, just select that mode. And our normal mode won't be so hard as to where you don't enjoy the game anymore. But for the hardcore players, we have this mode as well. That's what I'm starting to see now uh, with developers. I'm kind of glad to see that because the Soul series, for as as touted as it is, it did kind of take some of the fun out of video games that you may have been looking forward to play because it's not accessible to casual players and mm-hmm. the dedication that you have to have to conquer those games is ridiculous like we're working full-time jobs man <laughs> <laughs> yeah like like i like to play a lot of fucking games like yeah. the volume of games that i play is very high i don't have 70 hours to put into getting good at a super hard game Especially a game that I want to experience. Like, I want to experience Dark, Dark Souls, but I don't want to have to deal with it. Exactly. Uh, and you you also mentioned um, roguelikes earlier. Mm-hmm. I fucking hate roguelikes, man. I know. I hate, I know. It, I hate them so much. Hades is the first one that made me just take a step back and be like, okay, this this has to be what those other ones were going because the (laughs) the way it fits into the narrative is really good. And it's the one rogue, like out of all of them that I can actually say, yeah, that's the one I highly recommend for anybody, especially if you don't like them. 
Yeah, I, I've I've to- I've toyed with playing it, but I just uh, just conceptually, I, I can't get behind it. Like, <laughs> yeah, I get. I can't you. I get like. I, I don't want. But here's proce- the thing. I don't want procedurally generated ju- dungeons. I, I don't want fucking corpse runs. Like, here's the thing. There's a mode in there called God mode. If you want to just experience the game from beginning to end and get through the story. So even they understand, hey, we have a really good story to tell and we would really love for you to see it. You know, you might have convinced me with that. Yeah, you might have. You might have. So I guess that that brings us to our our the current generation. Well, not necessarily. We haven't talked about the switch yet. Oh, you know what? I gave the switch a hard time. Now that I have one, I really like it. I really do. It, the brilliance of being able to pick up your whole console, <laughs> take it, play it all day, and come right back and put it on the cradle, and it goes on your TV, and you're able to pick up and still go on about whatever you were doing when you were out, brilliant. It's, it's a fun little system, man, and, and the games look good on the screen. Like, Super Smash Bros. still look good on it. Um... I got that's, prob- that's probably the biggest like surprise is how good Switch yeah. games look. Ultimate Alliance, I've enjoyed playing that on it. So yeah, it, it's 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 deceptively addictive. Like you you'll be addicted to playing it before you know. It. Yeah, yeah. It the the, the Switch has taken off like success, success wise in a way mm-hmm. that I never imagined it would. Me too. Uh, but but you have to remember. When when they launched the Switch, they completely abandoned the 3DS. Yeah. So the audience that they were targeting the 3DS at, and the 3DS was hugely successful, just like the DS and the Game Boys before it, like, that whole audience moved over to the Switch, along with the core gamer group that was looking to play console Nintendo games. Mm-hmm. So you have all of these these customers converging on this one console, and then on top of that, you port every game ever fucking made. <laughs> because there are games coming out for the Switch that I did not think it was capable of running. Like Doom, you can play the new Doom. Yeah, you can. Like Doom Doom 2016 is on Switch. All of the the the, the uh, like Wolfenstein. On the Switch. Skyrim on the Switch. Like, all these big third-party games that you don't expect to be there are there. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. it, it, of course, they're not – they don't run as well as they do on the big boy consoles, but they're there. Yeah. They're, they're, they're there in, yeah, in, in ways that they weren't on previous consoles. All of these indie games that we were talking about on Xbox and on PlayStation, they're also on Switch. Like the the Switch has become the de facto indie game portable. Yeah, it has. It has, and it's it's surprising. It's surprising, man. I didn't, I didn't, uh, I didn't really expect all of it out of the Switch. But I'm I'm truly glad that I I went ahead and picked one up. Yeah, yeah, and and you know there, there there've been you know a bunch of announcements that oh they're gonna announce a new switch gonna announce a new switch and they ultimately they didn't they announced a switch with a better screen yeah 
Yeah, that is what it was. People were disappointed by that because they thought it was going to have 4K. Or at least a better processor. It's got none of the above. It's literally just a better screen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't even have better Joy-Cons, which yeah. is the, the biggest kick to the dick. Like They, they definitely got over on that. <laughs> but no, whatever. Uh, so, so yeah, the, the Switch kind of bridged the bridges the gap to, to this current generation. Uh, the current generation, of course, is only, what, a year old? And yeah. it, to, to say it's anything better than a clusterfuck is oh giving God. it too much credit. All right. So I've been giving stories with every generation. And we're going to close with this one. <laughs> And I know we're talking about, well, no, we're not talking about one in particular, but I have Xbox Series X. Allow me to say I am very pleased with the system that Microsoft has put out. The the graphics, I can, so the optimizations that they're doing for the video games and they're tuning up the graphics to, to run better on Xbox, you can really see the difference. This leads me to Game Pass. Game Pass has EA Play connected to it as well. Mm-hmm. When I tell you, for 15 bucks, the amount of games that are available, when I'm talking AAA legit titles, it's one of the best values in all of gaming. Period. I played Halo The Master Chief Collection. And I started with Halo 1. It's been optimized for Xbox Series X. It looks great. And and that's saying a lot for as old as that game is. It doesn't look perfect or anything, but it looks it looks really good. You can play the entire Halo series on there. You can play the entire Gears of War series on it. You can play the entire um, Mass Effect series. All of the forces are... No, I think most of the forces. Maybe all of them. I could be wrong. Um... And then with the EA Play side of it, you can play Madden, UFC 4. Um, but one thing that I really have enjoyed is a Star Wars Fallen Order. Oh, and, yeah, Jedi Fallen Order? Yes. Yeah. And it's optimized for Xbox. It looks fucking gorgeous. Like, really. And now I'm hearing about Flight Simulator. I'm hearing that that's a really gorgeous game to play. And the whole mm-hmm. world is the map on yep. there. And, and look, by far, PS5 definitely has them on the games right now, as far as the exclusives. Not taking anything away from that. Xbox looks like they're really trying again with the Series X. And it, it, the machine is it's bulky. The controller feels, <laughs> feels like heaven in my hands. I love the controller. Those little ridges that are in it and everything, to the point where I'm wondering because I keep hearing the Dual Sense controller is amazing, and I can't wait to get my hands on that. But yeah, the the Xbox Series X is a really good system, and I got these badass headphones that when I turn them on, the system turns on as well. So oh, I'm loving wow. that. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, man, it, I think this is a situation where you honestly can't go wrong with either one of them right now. Yeah, yeah. Like Game Game Pass has made a really compelling argument for the future of video mm-hmm. gaming because like 
Netflix has kind of ruined DVDs and Blu-rays and Mm -hmm. like Blockbuster and everything. And Microsoft sees like saw that Mm -hmm. shit. Microsoft was front row for that. Most people who use their Xbox 360 was using it for Netflix. Yep. Uh, But Microsoft saw that they understood the future of the, the the technology of like streaming games and like this is they know what they're doing and and the thing is is all of this was probably in their minds and in like part of their initial pitch for the xbox one with this always online shit and you know they they just opened their mouth and told on themselves when they could have just waited and rolled it out naturally and come to this this exact moment here where they they have a compelling product with with in, incredible value on a console that is i think technically the most powerful of the uh, of the ones available mm-hmm. like, yeah th- th- they are future proofed in a way that sony isn't like uh, xbox is literally telling you we want you to play games it doesn't matter where you play them. We just want you to play our games. Exactly. That's that's what they're saying. And although I don't think the rise and fall of Sony rests on if they come up with the answer, Sony needs to come up with an answer for this. Right. And, right. Yeah. Like, and that would that would be great. And they here's the thing, they have such a great catalog, man. Where a PlayStation Pass would be awesome. Well, like, uh, it, it, like that kind of already exists. Yeah, with the PlayStation now. Yeah. From yeah, what I understand, but it's also to my understanding, it's not as seamless as what Game Pass is. Yeah. Yeah. And so if they can, if they can just, they can just essentially mirror it, they'd be on the something. And the game one Game Pass availability is a big deal too, because Halo. If I'm not mistaken, unless something has changed, Halo Infinite is supposed to be day one, right? That is correct. All, yeah, micro- all first-party Microsoft titles are day one. Yeah. Yeah, and Flight Simulator, from what I'm understanding, is being is like very successful as far as the downloads it's receiving since it's dropped. Mm-hmm. And um, and then that Doom, dude, you can play the Doom uh, from 20s, what 17, and then Doom Eternal are both available right now. Yeah, yeah, all all of the um, Bethesda games. Yeah, like are just come on, there. man, that, it's such a great value. It is, and it's I'm playing shit I've never heard of before. Like, um, and then they got Streets of Rage four on here. I'm diving into that. Um, Quantum Break is on here, I which love I heard was yeah, I heard it was a good game. I'm Have excited. You played play. Control. You should play Control. Yeah, Control is on there. I saw yeah. that. And I, yeah. So yeah, yeah, it's it's so many good games. Like they did not bullshit with the games that are available. And then you still get games with gold on top of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah I'm, I'm I'm telling you, like them removing the barrier to entry is as important to video gaming as it as like going online in the first place was. Yeah. Because it's because, very because, revolutionary. Because people will be playing video games that would have never seen an audience just yep. because they're on Game Pass. Yeah, that's you know? how I found the Ori games. Yeah, yeah, 
you know, you can either drop $45 to $50 for Ori, depends on, depending on where you buy it for what sale, or you could just play it because it's part of your subscription. It's it's this it's the same thing again. It's it's the Netflixification of this, uh, and it is without a doubt the future. Microsoft is planning on offering their streaming platform because because I don't I, I don't know all the names and shit, but you'll be able to stream games to your smart TV without even having to own an Xbox. That's crazy. Yeah, like it'll be like a Roku app. That is crazy. And Microsoft is perfectly fine taking your $15 and allowing you to do that. And they're probably making way more because of it. The success of the Xbox platform no longer is reliant on the box that sits in front of your TV. And that's the fucking future. Yep, it is. It is. You know, and, and, and like we can have that entire discussion without even mentioning a single Xbox game. I, what, what, what you 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 mentioned what Xbox or what um, Halo Infinite? Yeah, that's really the they have. What, what's what's the biggest first party title they've released since launch? What? In this game called Medium, and I had to look that up. Like I was like, what what game have they they put out? But yeah, some game called Medium, and it's the only game that was like made for the Xbox Series X. Yeah, like. That's crazy to me. And, it is. And, and, and it's ballsy. It's they kind of backed themselves into a corner when they delayed Halo, but yeah. you know, whatever. Let's let's talk about supply constraints. So, Sony announced just the other day that the PlayStation Five is officially their fastest selling console in company history. Mm-hmm. They've sold more. In the amount of time with this one than any other PlayStation before it, which is hard to believe considering you s- they're, they're, they're nowhere to be found. So let's just start off by saying is PlayStation virtually or Sony virtually cut out the middleman, so to speak, as far as the retail part of this. Like it's only available online. And from my understanding, the Xbox Series X is still only available online, but you can actually buy the Series S, the one nobody really cares about, in the <laughs> store. So both both sides are trying, but uh, and they're blaming COVID for availability, but you know it's a console, it's a new console, it's always been availability issues. Um, well, but yeah, I, 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 it, yeah. It, it was a mess rolling it out. Well, I, like I, I mentioned this a few a few episodes ago when we when we talked about E3, like. The, the the console shortage that we're seeing is kind of a product of a lot of different factors. One, there's a chip shortage. Mm-hmm. They can't manufacture as many as they need to. Two, COVID has wrecked distribution channels across the entire world. Mm-hmm. Three, you have the American public who in the past two years or the past year and a half have been just – money has just been dumped on them. So even mm. people who have jobs are getting thousands and thousands of extra dollars. And that has caused the resale market for all kinds of weird shit to go insane. The resale market for action figures, fucking baseball cards, Pokemon cards, mm. uh, tennis shoes, anything that can be sold for profit is now being sold for 
twice as much to three times as much the profit because there are more people in the market to make a quick buck doing the shit. And that has really wrecked the console selling like business because most of the consoles are being bought by people who are just reselling them. And bots are getting smarter and people are weaponizing bots like a cottage industry of renting out a bot has emerged to you can basically rent out a bot to get a PlayStation 5. Yeah. Which and it ends up being cheaper than going through eBay. Yeah. And or you could just sell it on eBay and make all your money back and make a profit. Like un, until people are poor again, and I know that sounds really fuck it fucked up, but until people don't have so much spending cash on hand, this is going to be a problem because yeah. it does not matter how many PlayStation 5s Sony makes, it's going to sell out, and it's going to resell out, and it's going to resell out again. It's 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 yeah. it's this weird, real fucked up thing. It's it's why I can't buy it's a car a right now. Circle of life. <laughs> it's it, it's why when you put your house on the market right now, it gets bought immediately because there's so many people with so much money and they're investing in everything. Yeah, man. It <sighs> <is so. laughs> it's fucking wild, yeah, man. Fucking wild, it is, man. But we'll persevere. Yeah, yeah. Which one eventually, are you gonna get first? Eventually, I'm gonna walk into a Walmart and I'm gonna be like, "Oh shit, that's a PlayStation 5 and then I'm gonna swipe my card and walk out with it. But until then, I'm not, I, I'm not paying eBay prices. I'm not gonna work my ass off. But, but, but yeah, like we've we've talked about the the demise of GameStop on this podcast before. We we don't really need to go too deep into digital games, but. PlayStation and Microsoft have made very compelling reasons to never walk into a store again. Mm-hmm. And I'm and, right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And and shipping consoles without disc slots is the, and I think I said this in the other one, the biggest dick on table move yeah, that both of them is. can do. And they're both being extremely successful doing it. Disc based yeah. games are, they, they're, they're a relic and eventually they will be eliminated. I'm, I don't even know why Xbox put a disc drive in the Series X. Maybe they were just like, it's so big, we may as well. Maybe. But, <laughs> yeah, because it's huge. Don't get me wrong. Oh, and the PS5 is fucking huge. I saw that in Walmart. Yep. Oh, yeah. that thing's It is enormous. huge, man. Like, to the point where I'm like, do I just want to wait until they redesign it? Because I know they are. <laughs> but, <laughs> It is fucking big, man. But I think I'll get one and, and just do something different, like come up with a different setup. But um, oh man, I just thought of something. You have let me. I'm assuming you have an iPhone. Yep. Imagine going to a Walmart store, buying a chip, throwing it into the side of your iPhone, and playing a video game. Is that a thing that's gonna happen? No, it's not. How bonkers does it sound? Yeah, it sounds ridiculous. It sounds ridiculous? Well, that's what disc games are. <laughs> yeah, it is. That's how ridiculous uh, disc games well are going are gonna to be going forward. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. So, wh- wh- I-, I guess we've reached the end. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's the entire history of video games. This is very, very good, man. Like, I truly did enjoy talking about it. 
Mm-hmm. I don't know when it's going to be released. I, I don't. This, this actually, I'm I'm going to go ahead and announce it. This is going to be our 150th episode. Cool. Yay. Milestone episodes is what I do. Yes. The 150th episode of Reality Breached. Uh, and I'm so glad I was able to bring in this weird milestone episode with my buddy Jarius Thomas. Where can you be found? You can find me on the Unapologetic Geek on Facebook, man. Show me some love. Join in. I'm actually closing in on 50K. And it kind of snuck up on me. Yeah, kind of snuck up on me. So, well, yeah. Congratulations. Thank you. <laughs> uh, and I'm going to plug what I always plug. Listen to Shellheads, uh, the, the Ninja Turtles podcast that we have. Uh, but more importantly, listen to Debriefing and Cocktails. Uh, that is I, our James Bond podcast. I need to come back to that because I was going to listen to it. I can't remember what episode I was on, though. But it's pretty good. Yeah, you all should definitely check that out. Yeah, we, uh, we, we're we on episode, I think, 20. We record episode 20 this week. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we're, we're all leading up to the release of No Time to Die later this year. Have Hopefully, you done Skyfall yet? Yeah, we did Skyfall. Damn it. I wanted to be on that one. <laughs> I love that movie, man. It's Skyfall, the, the, the cool thing about debriefing and cocktails is the end of the episode, we have an ongoing ranking of what is the best james bond movie mm-hmm. and we, we basically we argue our our point at the end of the episode to decide where it will be ranked and i'm not going to give away the entire list but skyfall is absolutely number one. Oh yeah definitely have you all done specter yet not yet not yet that's that's we're gonna watch that one last before no, no time to die hit me up for specter all right all right yeah remind me I got a lot of shit to say about that one. But yeah, definitely. So check that out. Uh, We're on all podcast platforms, just like Reality Breached is. Thank you. This has been a very long journey, but I thank everyone who listened to it. And uh, I look forward to the big Reality reality Breached reboot that's coming up. Uh, And also for the rest of the year to see what we can do with this version of the show. Jaris, again, thank you for being here. And as always, get the ransom, shoot the hostage. We'll see you next time. Peace. Thanks for listening to Reality Breached. Be sure to check out our other great shows like the Black Pocket Podcast, Shellheads, and Dead Scene Kids, all available on realitybreached.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Discussing Trek. I'm your host, Clarence, and I wanted to introduce you to the podcast. Discussing Trek is all about keeping you informed on the latest news and episode reviews in the Star Trek universe while also staying engaged with our community of listeners. 
So be sure to hit that subscribe button for weekly content and stay locked in to DiscussingTrek.com for more information. Until next time, guys, live long and prosper.